Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. While there's much room for debate concerning the last days, the question is, what are we now seeing that's happening in our world? This is Mark Taylor. Welcome to Crosspoint. Barry Stagner is my guest, and he's recognized as an authority of Bible prophecy, and his latest work is The Time of the Signs. Well, thanks, folks, for joining us on this edition of Crosspoint. Glad to have you with us today. Today, I have Barry Stagner with us, and uh, we're talking about an interesting book, especially in the times we live, the, the Time of the Signs, and it's a chronological chronologically of, of the earth's final events that we're taking a look at and here Barry in this book you're kind of using the times of the signs as you're calling them connecting scripture to what's going on in our global events global crisis and everything else that's happening around the world is that correct Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, Mark, various scriptures that are yet unfulfilled in, in various books. And so putting together a timeline uh, is a bit of a task at times. And I think a lot of people, especially now, are wondering, what's next? And uh, so this is an effort to use uh, the scriptures as a foundation for walking through the future, uh, beginning with the rebirth of the nation of Israel, and, and what we should expect in what order uh, as it follows, as Jesus made it pretty clear in the uh, Olivet Discourse that uh, there was coming a single generation in which all those things were going to come to pass uh, that he spoke of regarding the last days. So this is an effort to piece together the various portions of Scripture, how they relate to one another, and what sequence they're going to happen in. Now, that's the way you start off, uh, you know, chapter one, and you call it Israel, God's timepiece. Now, why is Israel God's timepiece? Well, when we look at, especially the Olivet Discourse, uh, remember we have four disciples, that, uh, pair of, two pair of fishermen brothers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who after Jesus said, you're not going to see one stone left upon another as they were viewing the, the Temple Mount and grounds. And then they asked him, uh, what will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And his answer is the Olivet Discourse. And within it, he mentions the budding fig tree, uh, which to them they would immediately understand, because the two previous days they had just walked by a fruitless fig tree. Uh, Jesus cursed it. The next day they walked by and it was dried up from the roots, and they made that observation. And uh, the fruitless fig tree is symbolic of unbelieving Israel. And it wasn't their, their time to recognize the Messiah, and that's the picture that's presented from both Joel chapter 1 and Hosea as well. And Jeremiah even mentions Israel being a fruitless fig tree. So the rebirth of the nation of Israel is crucial to understanding where we are uh, in the last day scenario. And, and the answer to their question was about exactly what they asked, the last days and the signs of his coming. So we can see Israel is that... Uh, that marker in time where we began a march towards the fulfillment of the rest of the Olivet Discourse. Now, Mary, do you believe through the Bible? You know, a lot of people, when we get into Bible prophecy, a lot of them are looking in the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Isaiah, some, you know, and, and different parts of the Bible, Hosea, different ones. But do you believe that through the Bible, 
through basically most of all the chapters or something that there is this chronological order that God follows that he is leading us by that goes above and beyond what the prophecy people usually teach out of. Well, he's made some things very clear, and other things I think we can piece together with some what I call calculated speculation. And based on what we're watching now today uh, unraveling uh, in our world, we know that what is developing, it, it appears to be Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3, where all the nations of the earth are, are gathered in unity against Israel, and uh, this has been, these recent events have been a very polarizing event, so we can take what we're seeing and then piece together, uh, like Isaiah 17, 1. Uh, that, uh, people like to argue that was fulfilled by Sennacherib in the 6th century B.C., but the fact that there is a Damascus today tells us that the destruction of Damascus hasn't yet happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, those in Syria claim that Damascus is the Earth's oldest continuously inhabited city, which basically dismisses uh, any type of fulfillment of Isaiah 17.1. So I believe that we can look at the scriptures and see that it's, it's possible, maybe even likely, that uh, with what's going on now, the destruction of Damascus is next on the prophetic calendar, which would likely lead to the Ezekiel invasion of the nation's name there, being drawn down from the north and invading Israel. Because at, you know, at the time that Zechariah is talking about, Everybody's going to be against Israel. And it's interesting that the U.S. told Israel, you're running out of time. Uh, you need to wrap this thing up. Uh, the, the number of civilian casualties is already turning the world against you. And if you don't get it done soon, uh, the whole world is going to be against you, in essence, is what uh, Anthony Blinken uh, implied. So, you know, looking at Scripture, we can see now, because we are in an age like Daniel 12.4 uh, tells us that, you know, there's going to come a time, Daniel was told, seal up the vision and the prophecy for they are for uh, another generation, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And uh, so Daniel didn't even know exactly what he was writing about and how it was all going to go down. But there would be a generation coming that could see it with clarity. And I think we're living in that generation. Well, you know, Barry, I, I believe always to listen for code words, if I want to say that right, from those that really aren't followers of Christ that are just out there. But they say things that relate to the Bible. And you wonder, why did they say that? And, you know, you mentioned Damascus. Well, Damascus is not in very good shape today because of the problems they've had in Syria. But here a few days back when Benjamin Netanyahu was talking about, you know, how they were going to get Hamas and wipe them out and put a stop to this. They said, if we have to go and flatten Damascus, we will. Now, why would he even say that? To even mention that word, that that just kind of caught me off guard. And now, you know, what you're saying and what is being said by the United States, I've told people, we have a perfect government to back right out on Israel and not help them at all. Well, if you think about the phrase we hear so often about Iranian proxies, you know, this is the connection in Damascus, because you have, uh, you know, the Damascus airport, which uh, Israel has bombed since October 7th multiple times, as well as the one at Aleppo. This is where we're seeing, uh, you know, Iranian efforts to put, you know, hardware on the ground that would bring about the destruction of Israel. And so Israel is taking out their runways in order to keep them uh, from delivering even maybe a, a potentially a warhead a nuclear-type warhead or something. Uh, but, you know, there's also been lots of stories down through the years regarding the, the presence of chemical weapons that Assad has used 
uh, end time past, and there's even some that believe that the, the, all the way back to Saddam Hussein's days, that uh, his weapons cache was uh, sent into Syria uh, of chemical weapons. So, you know, whatever the reason that Damascus becomes a ruinous heap and ceases from being a city, whether it's a nuclear exchange, whether it's just a, a chemical weapons explosion, uh, you know, the, the city of Damascus is a main pathway for the Iranians to get within 40 miles of Israel's northern border, which is the very reason, uh, very direction that uh, uh, these nations that invade Israel are going to be brought down from. And, and you have to consider as well, you know, if you've got military presence of three of the five nations named in the Ezekiel War scenario that are already present in Syria. So I think that's why we'd see that uh, Damascus mentioned uh, by Netanyahu. Chapter 2 of the book, uh, you talk about in the days before the flood, Matthew twenty four thirty eight should be understood as the time before God poured out his wrath on the whole earth. And I'm looking here, I think, at page 37. And it says, this that meant that Jesus is saving, that at the end of the church age, before the tribulation begins, things will be like they were in Noah's day. Then at the bottom of the page, you said, at the end of the tribulation, right before the return of Christ, there will be a global economic collapse with no buying and selling, no marrying and giving in marriage. Tell us about that. Well, if we look at what Jesus is talking about during the tribulation, there's a... Um and before, you know, he, he likens the, that familiar phrase, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Now, remember, he's answering the four disciples' questions about the signs of his coming in the end of the age. And those are two two separate questions. And uh, so he is answering each of them specifically. And one of the curious things I find uh, in, in his answer to the disciples' inquiry is that he never answered the question about the destruction of Jerusalem. And the reason he didn't answer that is because it has nothing to do with the, the end of the age and the signs of his coming. It was a separate event that was fulfilled in 70 A.D. <clears throat> so he skips forward to what it's going to be like prior to uh, the the time of Great Tribulation. And when he uses that phrase, uh, before the flood, we could look at that as, as saying to us today that before the next time God pours out his global wrath, just like the flood was, here's what culture is going to be like. They're going to be indifferent to the signs of impending judgment. That, you know, as in Noah's day, they were buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage, as uh, Luke records. And, uh, you know, they didn't know what was coming until the day that Noah entered the ark. And we live in uh, just such a time today where there's kind of a business-as-usual attitude yeah. uh, in spite of the, the clear signs that something... Uh, ominous is is uh, awaiting us out there in the world. Now, I know that you talked some to Mir Safari, which we've had on the program here as well, and I know that uh, he's done the foreword to that book, so you and him kind of have a same look at what's going on over there? It's an interesting situation for for those you know folks that are uh, on the ground there uh, that is just so far beyond what we can yeah. uh, think and feel emotionally. Um, you know, from watching it from a distance. And, you know, Amir's a, a dear friend and brother, and uh, it, it's a tough time. And I, I've seen, you know, I've been all over the world with them, sat many hours together, waiting between speaking engagements and all that stuff. And I've never seen him as emotional uh, as he is right now. 
Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's absolutely incredible uh, the things that this little country is seeing. And, you know, uh, Mark, I think this is one of the interesting things about the whole prophetic scenario. Here you've got uh, just over 8,000 square miles and uh, this little tiny country, so small on a world map, you have to write the name in the Mediterranean, is the focal point of the whole world. And the reason for that is that he told Solomon, my name will be in this place forever. And I will hear prayers made in this place, is, is how he responded to Solomon's building of a temple at its dedication. And, you know, so this is a, a place where the Lord has placed his name. So we see the, uh, you know, the spiritual component introduced through that fact that this is, this is spiritual at its heart. And that even though many of the, the vehicles using to advance are used to advance, you know, the, the anti-Semitism we're seeing are flesh and blood. Uh, the battle at its core uh, is spiritual. Yeah. The book has got a lot of excellent information in it. In fact, what you're talking about is just, you know, I mean, you, your book is a hot topic already. And I'm sure when you was putting this book together, this wasn't what you were thinking was coming or knew that it was coming. Of course, we just had a few uh, days back, Jan Markell's people in doing a conference here. So your book is very timely and very timely name on it, The Time of the Signs. Uh, just before you get out of, uh, I believe, chapter two there, on verse or chapter two on verse on chat page 40 you talk about we live in a time when people are told their feelings can define their gender and other areas you said the truth of science uh, crowd doesn't trust the science they place feelings above facts even when there comes to undeniable biological physiological realities and you said how far astray mankind has got from God's original design of creating male and female, as it tells in Genesis 1. What we are seeing happening today is part of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart being evil continually as it was in the days of Noah. And this is exactly what the Lord said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man... So it, we're, we're being set up, are we not? <laughs> Oh, without question. I think one of the interesting uh, uh, passages from uh, the book of Isaiah, which I think maybe uh, 520 is quoted in that chapter, I believe, where evil and good have exchanged definitions, mm -hmm. is that the Lord talks about the fact in, in chapter 2 that there's going to come a time where he's going to rise and shake the earth. And then he gives specific details about uh, much of what's going to happen uh, in that time, including, he said, I will give you children for your princes, which is an interesting phrase that I've always kind of looked at as being figurative uh, of incompetent leadership or unqualified people rising to power and, uh, you know, kind of leading the world astray, so to speak. But I, I think it, it's curious now that we're seeing this in more of a literal sense, where children are telling their parents what their gender is, and parents are bowing to the wishes of children. And, you know, here we've got the, the, the face of the climate change movement is a, a young girl who was, I think she was 16 when she came onto the world scene and, you know, has absolutely uh, no training or expertise in the area for which she is the international spokesperson. And uh, so now we've got uh, children uh, taking the place and roles of adults. We've got uh, evil called good and good called evil. You know, we've got uh, leadership around the world that uh, very clearly uh, shows they're completely ignorant of facts and history. 
including you know the biological facts today that uh, have long been respected and acknowledged by cultures all over the world that men are men and women are women. Here now we live in a time where where these things are out the window, and it's whatever you think or feel, and, and facts and truth have now become subjective instead of objective like they've been for millennia. Well, folks, stay with us. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. For 60 years, Crowder College has been empowering students to soar to new heights. From agriculture to education, to business, sports, and the newest technologies, Crowder always has something interesting going on. I'm Adam Winkler of KNEO Radio. Join me each week as I talk to a different person from Crowder College about what's been happening and what's coming up next. It's the Insider's Guide to All Things Crowder. Subscribe today to the This Week in Crowder College podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Today with me, I have Barry Stagner, and Barry has put out an interesting book, The Time of the Signs. Now, Barry, you put out other stuff. You know, you've been an authority in Bible prophecy teaching, um, different things that you do. So if somebody wanted to know more about this book that you has just come out, or maybe something else that you've done, how would they go about doing that? My website, you can go to barrystagner.com, and it's got a blog there, as well as all of my books are available there. Now, if you can go to the church website, uh, we've had kind of an interesting uh, situation of late with our our church. We've had to move, uh, and uh, so we moved from one city to another. And uh, for for 21 years we were known, or 22 years we were known, as Calvary Chapel Puston, uh, but we had to move cities. So now we're in uh, Costa Mesa, California. Uh, so our church web address is cctustin.org, and Tustin is T-U-S-T-I-N. And our website is there, messages are there, all the information about books. And, and Mark, if I could, you know, I just encourage people. The book is actually released on January 16th. Correct. And uh, one of the reasons, I think, to, to get out there and get the word out is because the way the brick-and-mortar stores operate these days is they use a kind of a software package called BookScan, and they track pre-sale numbers, and that's what uh, Target and Walmart, Barnes & Noble, and any other uh, brick-and-mortar uh, bookstore or businesses that carry books will use to determine whether or not they're put it on the shelf. So pre-sale is super, super important. So if anybody would find it in their heart to, to grab the book, uh, at Amazon, uh, that would help put those numbers up there, where I think the people who aren't necessarily shopping on Christian websites uh, would see a book by a title that would hopefully grab their attention. Yeah. So uh, that's that's how you can connect uh, with with me, all the teachings at the church, as well as uh, all all my books. Well, of course, I got a review copy, but it is a very uh, attractive book, uh, and it is talking about what people are thinking about, so you, it's a very timely book. So anyway, I, I believe it'll be a big help to people. Now, 
speaking of people, Barry, you talk about and you say, you know, there's readers that are there skeptical of prophetic interpretations going on with current events and stuff. What do you tell people like that? Because it's obvious what's going on, but some people still, they don't want to swallow that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably as I travel the world, it is without question. One of the top two comments I hear from people, uh, one is we can't find a Bible teaching church, and two is nobody's teaching Bible prophecy. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, uh, the second part at least, is is intimidation and fear, because there is so much that uh, that we don't know for sure, uh, but we can use the whole of Scripture to, to calculate and speculate as to what's coming as far as chronology and all that. And, you know, I think uh, as an example, I don't think any of us, we knew that the nations in the Ezekiel War were going to be drawn down from the far north. How it winds up that there's only a protest against it, no military action against it. How, how was that going to come about? How were these nations, Turkey, Russia, Iran, Sudan, and Libya, how were they going to find themselves in a presence on the northern border of Israel militarily without the rest of the world reacting to it? And now we can see that the answer was ISIS. You know, these countries came in under the guise of destroying ISIS in Syria, and now yet here we are, you know, some years later, and there's still a military presence of the uh, Turkish army, the Iranian uh, army, as well as the Russian presence there, and the U.S., of course. But uh, I'd like to say that the surest form of prophetic interpretation is fulfillment. So I think a lot of people shy away from it just because, it, it, one, you know, there's so many opinions on it and so many interpretations about it, and they just as soon stay away from it. But, you know, I think the most important thing, Mark, is that Bible prophecy or prophecy within the Bible is what distinguishes the Bible from every other religious writing. I mean, the Lord knows yesterday and today, and uh, He knows tomorrow in the same way. He sees everything and has revealed it to us. As uh, Pastor Chuck Smith used to say, you know, it's like watching a parade. We're sitting on the curb, and we can only see what's in front of us. God sits on high, and he can see the whole parade at the same time. So he has told us that here's how things are going to end. Here's where they're going. He told us how things began. He told us how they're going to end. And, you know, all the different things, to, you know, the uh, like I said earlier, you know, some people say, oh, no, the Isaiah 17 one has already been fulfilled, or this particular passage is figurative, and all that. So I think a lot of people are just intimidated by the subject. And, um, you know, I've told over the years, as I've had a chance to talk to different pastors, and the question comes up about not teaching the book of Revelation, and uh, what would I say to them? And I, I always say the same thing. It's no different than any other book. You've got to study hard and, uh, and dig in and dig deep and pray. You know, it's a book that comes with an outline of the things which are, the things which are coming after this, and then there's this pattern that continues throughout the book of Revelation, where you see the repeated Greek phrase, metatauta, after these things. So you're given a chronology. So I think a lot of people are just intimidated by this subject. And there are the, those with the ostrich syndrome. They don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, which kind of is prophetic in and of itself. That You know, Paul said there'd come a time where people don't want to put up a sound doctrine no. in Second Timothy chapter 4. And uh, they'll heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And that's some of what we're seeing today also, Mark. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I'll just kind of throw this in from the side. So I'm always watching other stations in the area, listening to them, seeing what they're talking about. Uh, there's one big station in the area. The gentleman that owns the station professes to be a Christian, but he does a lot of things. I don't think very that lean that way. But I noticed the other day on a talk show we had, uh, someone had called in and was talking about the vaccine. And they were saying, you know, it wasn't a good thing and this going on. He just cut them off and turned them off. Well, the next caller called in and wanted to know why he did that. And he said, well, because they don't know the science and they don't understand it. And everybody needs to get to. And I'm thinking, but you don't have that right. We're supposed to be the independent here to let people understand. But you're seeing these kind of things happening. And in your book, uh, you, you say something in here. Let's see. It's on page number 49. I want to read a piece of it. You said, we are seeing the signs come to pass and the number of pe- God deniers is growing by leaps and bounds. Then the only rightful conclusion must be that the day of the Lord is at hand. You say we live in a time when most intolerant people in society are those who demand Christians tolerate whatever they think is true. And then you just go on to say, today Christianity is the one religion that is viewed as negative by many. It is the one belief system that infuriates people like no other. People are more tolerant of Islam than they are of Christianity. It's pretty good. Well, you know, you think about what just happened this past week. That the, It was announced by the vice president that there is now going to be a concerted effort to combat Islamophobia. Yeah. And yep. You know, here we've got anti-Semitism rising by leaps and bounds. We've got, you know, universities like Harvard uh, who are protesting what the what uh, Israel is doing and condemning them. And there's hundreds of thousands of people in the streets around the world. And uh, what is the concern of the government? Not to protect the Jews, uh, but to make sure those, and I thought some of the language is interesting, those who are Muslim or those who are perceived as Muslim, uh, need our protection, yeah. and uh, you know, so they're talking about just the Arab peoples and uh, and Muslims in general. But you know, there's no mention about the the concern when we've got students hiding in libraries, locking themselves away from protesters for fear of their lives, and there's no mention of that. And um, again, you know, you've got this this uh, twisted and contorted uh, perspective that's happening, you know, from the highest levels of government. Uh, running down through our universities and and now out into the streets where you know people are tearing down posters of children uh, who have been kidnapped by Hamas and we've heard of the heinous things that have happened and yet you know you've got this mentality I think that is in preparation uh, for the tribulation you know to where there's just a, a, a turning away from anything uh, that God is for. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's important for all Christians to remember, Mark, is that in uh, the book of Ezekiel, you know, we're all familiar with, uh, or most of us, I should say, are familiar with the Ezekiel 37 to 39 scenario. Correct. The dry bones coming back into the land and God uh, restoring the Jews into their national homeland. But if you back up a chapter in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses uh, 20, I think, to 22, the Lord said, I'm not bringing you back, and again, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not bringing you back for your sake. I'm bringing you back for my holy name's sake, because every day that the Jews were outside of their national homeland, the Lord's name was profaned. And he even said in that passage, the people of the the nations, nations where I've driven you are saying, these are the people of God, and they're outside of their homeland. So, 
you know, I think we need to be very careful about uh, choosing sides in this, especially siding against Israel, because the truth of the matter is, God said, I'm bringing them back for my name's sake, and that's why they're back in the land, because he gave it to them by everlasting and unconditional covenant. So, but yeah, Mark, it's just crazy, the, the things that are, uh, are used to be normal in our, our country are now viewed as negative, and uh, you know, much of the country is turning against it. Yeah. Now, uh, Barry, before we go into this next uh, segment here, again, tell the listener today about this book, The Time of the Signs. Uh, how do they need to, what's the best way they can go about, because it's not going to be out uh, for a few more weeks. So how will, uh, you know, is best for them to go ahead and get this process started to having this book ready when it when it does get out? Well, the book is available on Amazon through any online bookseller. Uh, you know, I think Barnes & Noble and Target and all of them already have it in their uh, online stores. But again, uh, what I mentioned earlier about the importance of pre-sale is, you know, the, the real, because the, the people, uh, you know, who are shopping online, they're going to look for what they're looking for. I mean, they're going to look for, you know, just the, the target. They'll type in the name of the book and the, or the name of the author. And so they won't have any opportunity to be exposed to this. So if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Target or any of these online booksellers in, in uh, pre-sale, and, uh, and all of these things are reported to, as I said earlier, book scan. And then when you uh, when the, the retailers are looking at these numbers, uh, by the time it's the release date, that will determine whether or not uh, they're going to put it on their shelves. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting, as you mentioned a little bit ago, the timing of this and uh, the fact that we are living in a, of course, the title is a play on words. We are living in a time where there are sides all around us. Yeah. No doubt. Well, folks, we're going to be back with more with Barry right after this. Your future begins today. Your new second chance just arrived. Welcome to Fresh Grace. Welcome to New Hope. 91.7 The Word. Radio that impacts your future. Are you walking in everything God has for you? Hi, I'm Pastor Gary Culp, and I'd like to invite you to check out the Exceedingly Abundant Ministries podcast. Available from the Sky High Podcast Network. This 30-minute weekly Bible study will give you time to grow spiritually and get to know God and His Word on a deeper level. God has more in store for you than you ever realized. Listen to Exceedingly Abundant Ministries today and learn about how God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. Welcome back to Cross Point. Uh, interesting conversation today. We're having a very Stagner uh, new book, The Time of the Signs, a very timely book. You know, I'm looking at chapter four here, page 64, and it says, when it comes to the last days, we can no longer limit an understanding of the word church to mean born-again believers. Yes, the church is made up of people, but these days it is not just people who are congregated on Sundays in a building set aside for the purpose of having a church service. So what are you trying to say here um, about, you know, we're no longer under that word of the church kind of, you know, things have changed somewhat. Well, the church has in a lot of ways become, a, there's an old country preacher named Vance Havner, yeah. uh, who who had his uh, homespun wisdom repeated by uh, many pastors. And one of the things that I uh, heard him say that, that uh, was very descriptive of the day in which we live 
as he said in the last days, the church has become the old Adam Improvement Society. And uh, what he obviously means by that is that, you know, the church is all about improving your status in life, having, you know, things uh, go positively for you and uh, maintaining a positive outlook and life experience and all that. And uh, its focus will be shifted away from the church's one and only commission given by Jesus, which is to go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so, you know, now we're having this, as Paul prophesied of in uh, Second Thessalonians, this defection from truth or apostasy, and it goes right in line with what we mentioned earlier with uh, Paul's writing in his last letter, in the last chapter of his last letter, before he was beheaded uh, to Timothy about a time coming where sound doctrine will not be endured, but uh, fables, and that word uh, are preferred. That word fables is uh, can also be translated as fabrications or things that people make up. And uh, this is a lot of what we're seeing today. And, you, you know, you hear, you know, comments made by pastors who are well-known and have huge congregations about unhitching from the Old Testament or becoming more culturally sensitive or, you know, things of this nature. And, and this is what uh, the point is in that particular chapter, recognizing that prior to uh, the, the last day scenario uh, moving into the tribulation age, there's going to be a mass defection from truth within the church. So, and, you know, the church is, is the only salt and light that the world has, according to Jesus. And when we've lost our Savior, we become uh, trampled underfoot by men, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's exactly, I think, what we're seeing today, that much of the church has been uh, trampled by worldliness and a desire to not seem culturally irrelevant or insensitive uh, to the trends within culture. But we, we've never, we're never meant to be a part of this world. Uh, we're always meant to be distinct from it. So, I mean, everybody knows not every person who goes to church is a Christian. Not every place that calls itself a church is necessarily uh, one that is preaching the Word, which is the counsel that Paul gave Timothy in Second Timothy 4 uh, regarding those days that were coming where sound doctrine would not be endured. He said, preach the Word. In or out of season, preach the Word. And that's uh, that's the point the chapter's making. Even going from that chapter to chapter 5, I want to kind of kick, connect two here together. So at the end of chapter 4, I'm looking at verse, or page 74. It says, We're living in the last stage of the church history, and the parallels between the church at Laodicea and the postmodern church are undeniable. Then we just flip right over here into chapter 5, and you say, When the church is no longer has a purifying and preserving influence on the world, it's no longer bringing glory to God. It seems safe to say that the timing is right for the world to transition back to the 70 weeks of Daniel and to experience the fulfillment of the 70th and final week of the tribulation. While the rapture of the church is being taught, is being imminent, the day and the hour unknown. There are many clues that tell us this event, it, you know, it's coming. And that's what the chapter 5 starts, the rapture. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that. Yeah, there is. And, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, we hear so often, you know, especially for rapture critics or prophecy critics that, you know, well, we're told that nobody knows the day or the hour. But just like with any passage, you have to keep reading 
Jesus said, but as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And then he's giving, you know, the, this in, incredible description of what life and culture is going to be like. So it's not that we are without information uh, regarding the timing uh, of, of the the catching away that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, that uh, moment of tweaking of an eye experience. And uh, so, you know, we're not completely ignorant, even though we don't know the day or the hour. We are watching from the rebirth of the nation of Israel, the mass defection of truth uh, within the church, the gathering of the nations, the coalition force that's going to invade Israel from the north. The protesting nations are making overtures for diplomatic relations to be established with Israel, and that would be the Shiva in Didan of uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Those are the Arab Gulf states, and we've watched with the Abraham Accords and all that. So all these things are falling into place. And uh, what we know from uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is that we have to be taken out of the way for the lawless one to be revealed, and the lawless one is the title of the Antichrist. So it's not that we're completely without information as to when, uh, you know, generally we should be looking for these things, because Jesus would later go on and say, you know, when you see these things begin to happen, know that your redemption draws near. And I think that particular portion, he's talking to the Jews, and and, uh, their redemption nationally is drawing near. And therefore, since we have to be out of the way uh, the purifying influence of the Church, the preserving influence of the Church via the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we have to be taken out of the way for the lawless one to be revealed, who will make that uh, seven-year covenant with Israel and many nations uh, that's uh, reported in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, it, it just seems as though we should be uh, rapture-ready, as the saying goes, uh, for he could come for us at any moment. Yeah. Chapter 16 of the book, page 114, you say the only definite facts we know about the identity of the Antichrist is that he will raise to power out of the revived Roman Empire. It is likely that neither he nor the second beast, the false prophet, will be Jews because both of them will persecute the Jews. This raises the question, why would Jews be willing to work with a Gentile ruler who offers them a peace covenant? And that's just about what you were just talking about right there. Um, they will do that, though, will they not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about what happened when Trump moved uh, the embassy to Jerusalem. I mean, there was the, the term Messiah or Mashiach in Hebrew was being thrown around all over the place. And uh, that descriptive phrase or, or term used, you know, in in reference to Donald Trump. And so, you know, those who who are going to whoever the individual is and the cronies that he has, uh, you know, the Revelation 17 talks about, who, whoever comes up with a plan for them to rebuild their temple uh, is going to be followed. And, you know, this is the whole, uh, the Orthodox movement, and it's gaining strength now, you know, especially with this unifying uh, element. That's one thing Amir and I had, had talked about, and I know he's mentioned it on some of his uh, uh YouTube programs that, you know, uh, Israel was much like the United States prior to October 7th. They were divided. There were protests going on over this uh, and that, and mostly the judicial reform and and all the things in the country was hugely split. And now here they are united uh, as a nation 
and uh, be looking for leadership. You know, here you've got a man that some would compare to a, an Israeli Donald Trump uh, in Netanyahu, very aggressive, strong voice, uh, doesn't mince any words, and, and is, is pro-country, which is kind of bizarre that that's become a negative in these last days to have any type of national pride. But, you know, they're, they're already looking for somebody to bring all this stuff to an end. Whatever nationality he is, you know, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a concern to them if somebody can bring peace uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, they're going to follow that guy, at least for a time. Chapter 8 of the book, you say here on page 137, the good news is that the church will not be here for the portion of the tribulation for multiple reasons, and you give that. Now, some people want to argue this point, and this has become a big point of discussion. You know, is the church going to be going halfway through, partway, all the way through, or getting out of here? This is uh, something that you bring out in the book. You know, one of the things that, that people often overlook is that God's wrath uh, isn't just earthquakes and hailstones of fire mingled with blood. You know, God has what's called his consequential wrath as well. And we see that mentioned in multiple places, uh, including in Hebrews, where, you know, there's a, a group who wandered and griped in the wilderness, who he, who the Lord said, I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. And so his wrath was manifested in this life consequences. But it wasn't the cataclysmic wrath of God. The, you know, the He didn't because they, uh, you know, were griping and complaining. He didn't hit them with with hailstones and an earthquake for the earth swallowing them up. You know, the consequences of their decision or the, the universal law of sowing and reaping. You know, they didn't want anything to do with his plan, so they didn't enter his rest. And that's the the consequential wrath of God. And I think one of the consequences for the world uh, is the removal of the church. And they've wanted to get rid of us, and, and uh, you know, we now are the, the negatives in the world. We're standing against the, the greater good of all people being equal and, and having equal value. And, you know, people, people have equal value in the eyes of God. I mean, he's not willing that any of us should perish, but there are things that God has prohibited. Uh, in his words, within the realm of human behavior. And uh, we are the ones who have the book that says uh, there's certain sexual activities that are restricted to the married, and uh, or all sexual activity is restricted to the married, and there are certain sexual activities that he has prohibited. And uh, so we have this, this influence in the world that the world would just as soon uh, get rid of. So, you know, when you look at what happens and you take... First uh, Thessalonians 4, that the lawless one cannot be revealed until the hindering force of the Spirit through the Church is taken out of the way. And then you see the tribulation begins in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, uh, with the lawless one riding onto the world scene. That's the first thing that happens. So yeah. that's the beginning of the tribulation. Yeah. And he rides onto the world scene with a covenant in hand. Uh, that's what the, the bow in his hand is symbolic of. Uh, the, that covenant with Israel. So if what opens the tribulation is an act of God's wrath and the consequential form, and we do not have an appointment with wrath, we cannot be here for any of the tribulation. And the whole, you know, the uh, Daniel talks about the time of indignation, and the, the Hebrew word translated indignation is the same word for wrath. So if the whole, according to Daniel, 
if the whole 70th week is the time of God's wrath, and First Thessalonians 5, 9 says the church doesn't have an appointment with wrath, then we can't be here for any of it. Yeah. So, you know, for the pre-wrathers, those who say, well, we'll be taken out before God's wrath, I would agree, as long as you look at the rise of the Antichrist to world power as being an act of God's wrath, uh, yeah. which begins the tribulation. So yeah. the whole thing is God's wrath. We won't be here for any of it. And I think the Scripture backs that up. You close the book out. Chapter 12, by the way, is the last chapter. And in chapter 12, page 197, you know, you couldn't have done a better job <laughs> from what how the book lines up with what's going on. You said, I believe it is time for the church to go home because the combatants of the Ezekiel War are assuming their positions and forming coalitions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that, that's kind of an interesting way, but that's what you say right there as you go out of chapter twelve, into the book. And we are uh, we're watching it happen. Yeah, there's and, you no know, doubt. It's, just, it's amazing. It's an incredible time to be alive, and to see these things written, you know, twenty six, twenty seven hundred years ago, and they're 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 happening, just falling like dominoes right in front of our eyes. And I think that's one of the the things for us to recognize that, uh, you know, Jesus opens the book of Revelation with, that these things are going to happen quickly. And, uh, you know, what that the Greek word translated as quickly, or shortly in some translations, means in quick succession once they begin. And, and just think about how the world has changed since October 7th. Yeah. I mean, the whole world is different than it was on October 6th. Yeah, the world is polarized. There's acts of violence and people running for their lives. Jews running for their lives. There's stars of David being painted on homes and businesses of Jews in countries all over the world. Here in the states, you've got Jews hiding in libraries, as we mentioned earlier, uh, for fear of their lives, and uh, you know people taking off their kippahs when they're out in public because they don't want to be recognized as a Jew. I mean, just everything's different than it was 30 days ago. Yeah. So things are happening fast. Yes, they are. Well, again, tell people how they can find this book um, just coming out, and tell people how they can do that. Well, again, you can find it at, on any online bookseller. Uh, if you go to Amazon, you can find it there. Just type in my name, Barry Stagner, and there will be a, a, a group of books that come up. Uh, this one that's being offered for pre-sale is called The Time of the signs, and we are living in a time that is a sign-rich environment. It's released on January 16th, but you'll get it probably on the 17th or 18th. But I, I would just add this. I, I would really appreciate any who uh, would go and pre-order the book, because my hope is that this will get into the stores. I, I think the people who need to hear it the most are going to be exposed to it the least, uh, unless it's out there in the store where they'll walk by. You know, when it's on the shelf and somebody says, the time of the sign, uh, that's an interesting title. What's this book all yeah, about? And then exactly. The main point is to get them to pick it up and look at it. So. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for being with us today here on Crosspoint. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the time. 
Great interview today, folks. Very timely interview. Man, you need to maybe look more at this book yourself and see what all the things that have been put in there because it's very, very timely from the way we live. The other book I hold in my hand is always timely, the Holy Bible. Uh, this book tells you what's going to happen before it happens, after it happens, and when more is coming to happen. It's the very inspired words of God that directs you and shows you what eternity holds for everybody that will just follow the words that are contained in this book. Folks, be sure and join us next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. Never miss your favorite show again. For more than 30 years, KNEO has been bringing you great Bible teachers on a local and national level. And now, we've made it easier than ever to hear from these great men and women of God. KNEO's entire lineup is now available to listen anytime, anywhere, through our website. Go to KNEO.org slash podcast to see all the options. You can search for programs alphabetically, or you can select individual categories like culture, kids, leadership, or music. We even have a category just for locally produced programs, so you can hear from pastors and spiritual leaders located right here in the four-state area. And... All these resources are absolutely free. Kaneo's mission is to get God's Word in front of you, and this is one of the ways we do it. Give it a try today. Go to kaneo.org and click on the podcast tab to get started. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.